All right, welcome to the Mentis Podcast. Today we have Angie Aki with Ohana Investments. I appreciate you jumping on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate being here. So you're focused uh, in real estate uh, syndications throughout the Southeast. And today I definitely want to get a little bit of your insider in like information on what is happening in the Southeast. Clearly it's boomed uh, over the past uh, you know, few years, but it's really been a safe harbor for investments for a long time. Uh, but but where's next? I know that, you know, like Miami, uh, you know, really had an insurgence of money from COVID, uh, but then they also had a lot of those like stimulus checks uh, getting spent down there. So maybe that's going to start retreating. Uh, you know, like, is there a market down there that's really got your attention? And, you know, wh- what's uh, what's next for the Southeast, whether it be Florida, uh, Texas, North South Carolina, or or any of the other states? Um, man, that's a really broad, uh, but great question. So the short answer is, I don't really know, right? Uh, I don't think anyone knows, because unfortunately, we don't have a crystal ball. I, I wish that we did. Um, but I am, I'm very bullish on the southeast. When you look at the migration patterns, and you can uh, look at the employers flooding and the, the people flooding. I mean, heck, I feel like we can't keep them out of Florida um, or the Southeast. So people are pouring into our states um, by massive numbers. I know I'm sitting in, or- in Orlando right now, and we have a, a vast increase in population. So literally, I feel like you can you can drive down the road and you see multifamily developments left and right. And I know you mentioned development as well. Um, so Orlando is, is a really hot market. Although I will say, you know, there's pros and cons about being in in a hot market. It's really difficult to find deals that pencil out because people want, uh, people want top dollar for their assets. So, um, Jacksonville is a great market. And last year I, I worked and, uh, worked on an asset there. And so we're, we're managing that currently it's a two asset portfolio in Jacksonville, uh, we did have a couple offerings in South Carolina. South Carolina is a really great market as well, um, overall, as well as North Carolina. So I had a couple offerings in both of those states. Um, so where is next? I don't really know. It's almost like if you take the the metro centers and go out a little bit and further, I don't want to say suburbia, but I know if you look at if you know where Orlando is and you know where Tampa is, there's a county in the middle called Polk County. Polk is a really great uh, place to invest right now. And that's where I personally own a mobile, a small mobile home park with a partner of a partner. And so we're also building some affordable housing there as well. That's a great market. Um, you know, the Southeast overall, um, I don't want to say you can't go wrong because we were just talking about something earlier, right? Talking about evictions and some of the laws there and some of the timelines. Um, but Jacksonville's great. Central Florida's great. Um, South and North Carolina. I have not personally done any uh, deals yet in Georgia. Um, so I've, I've heard varying things now. Uh, so I've heard, I've heard good and bad. Um, and I've not done anything in Alabama yet either, although I did have a colleague of mine and they're doing some build to rent there. And I know build to rent, uh, we um, had a build to rent offering in North Carolina last year, uh, just outside of Boone. So that yeah, was a well, area. Well, I appreciate you kind of diving into that. The the one really, really uh, piece that stuck out to me there was the 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 county between 
Orlando and Tampa. And, you know, I've heard multiple people say that that's just like Orlando and Tampa are going to like become two. Uh, they're going to like merge and it's going to be one big city the entire way. Um, and that entire, you know, all the way over to Clearwater, up and down, uh, that entire metro uh, metropolitan area is just going to continue to just boom and attract a lot of uh, investor dollars. And, you know, it's, it's a vacation hub. Um, you know, I think Orlando has benefited extremely well from obviously tourism, but Tampa becomes more and more uh, popular as maybe people are getting priced out of Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know, I think that it's definitely a market to to continue to watch on. Uh, yeah. You know, we've uh, I've even considered uh, starting an office down there as well. It's definitely uh, something to maybe keep an eye on and we'll, we'll have to check in with you uh, down the road to see if that, you know, if there's anything else that comes up as far as, you know, the density uh, of some of these investments, I know that, uh, you know, kind of governments are really leaning towards more dense, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, more affordable units. They, they don't want the urban sprawl as much. Is there anything you're seeing in Florida right now for regulations on that or is, is everything kind of still on the table? Yeah, so Orange County, uh, which is where Orlando is sitting, um, they're looking at increasing density. Um, and it's really interesting. So that got pushed back at a recent meeting to discuss that further. Um, but it's interesting as a resident here, right? So when you look at it one side as an investor and the other side as a resident, it's, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm pulled in both directions. But they are looking at increasing density. Um, some of the other things I know recently, they were looking at, you know, tapping rents or how much you could increase the rent uh, year over year, right? So it, I think, right, there's a severe housing shortage is the reality. So the counties and the zoning departments are now saying, okay, how do we, how do we accommodate all those people? Right? How do we, we want development, we want investors to come in, but we also want it to be, you know, we want it to be fair for the renter too, right? So they're kind of towing the line and straddling the fence. And quite frankly, I think it's really difficult for counties at this point. Um, but when you're looking at potential rate caps and you're looking at, um, you know, yet increased density, it's like, what the heck? And I, I talked to uh, one guy uh, that I, I, collaborated with they're connected with and he is building build to rents and he will not build in orange county which is where orlando is so he looks like county by county and and i hate to say this right so no matter what your political view is a lot of people and a lot of investors will say okay is that is that a red county or a blue county uh, because a lot of the laws and jurisdictions and zonings will will go one way or another and, you know, when you look at the way I was just reading something earlier this morning in the New York Times, when you look at the when you look at the population, you look at where people are moving, a lot of the country is moving from from blue to red states as far as either personally or in an as an investment. And then you have the other side of the coin, right, where people are like, oh, I'm not not living or investing in a blue state or excuse me, a red state. So. There's just, there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, we're seeing quite a bit of politics around that for sure. Well, that's that's one thing that people uh, maybe don't talk about enough in real estate. And, and that's it. each jurisdiction and that is county by county, not just on a state level, really uh, is impacted by the people who are running that 
that local government. It doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. I've, I've seen terrible ideas from both sides, but <laughs> they, they, they go in and if they're maybe don't have any skin in the game or maybe don't understand how uh, some of their decisions impact uh, whether or not investment will continue to come into their uh, into their markets, it really can impact what we're doing when we're trying to do pro formas for a long period of time. And that's why I think it's really important to have a lot of understanding of where you're investing, know who's there, make sure that they're, you know, kind of sound and steady, uh, you know, built on principles of, uh, you know, kind of letting people run their businesses the way the free market uh, was designed. Mm -hmm. If you start capping uh, rents, all of a sudden you're kind of getting into that tiptoeing around rent control and you turn into uh, a city like DC where we have a deal uh, that we're working on right now. And it can take a year to purchase a property in DC and a year to sell a property in DC just because of all the regulations and, and red tape and the bureaucracy. And then attorneys are getting crazy fees and unwinding it is just almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other side of it is uh, you had kind of alluded to it before. Uh, we have some properties in Georgia and the eviction laws have been horrendous since the uh, the pandemic. So we have some properties that people have literally not been kicked out for months and months, pushing on a year, uh, and they're really just backed up. And the, like the policies behind that are are horrible. When you see other places that are actually keeping uh, kind of the rule of law in place, uh, so I think it's really fascinating that you mentioned like density and um, can I, you know what are the rental policies of the area? Those are all really important for long term investors to be aware of. And I appreciate you kind of bringing that to our attention. Yeah. Uh, And and you have to know, and if you don't right, as an investor, because we work with a lot of passive investors, right? So it it can feel really overwhelming to know. You don't have to know the answers, but it's great to ask the sponsor team and they should know the answers, right? correct, Correct. That's why you don't have to know everything, but you have to know people that know that information, right? So you should be able to lean on the sponsor team, the general partners or the fund managers and say, hey, what are we looking at from a political standpoint or a zoning or jurisdiction standpoint? Um, you know, I didn't know until we spoke uh, earlier, Nick, that in Decatur, right? And outside of Atlanta, there are some eviction problems still going on, right? And we're sitting at this recording, we're in 2023. Where I know, unfortunately, in our mobile home park, we've had to do a couple evictions and people weren't paying. And we've been able to get those those tenants out, do any necessary renovations and getting paying tenants in. And without that, I mean, that's a small mobile home park. So it's not, I mean, we're not talking about thousands of units or even hundreds of units. Without the capability to do that, we're dead in the water. You know, what, what are you going to do? And that's, um, you know, that can cripple the business plan for the asset. And that's exactly what it is. When you're investing into a syndication, you're in essence investing into a business. So that can kill the business plan. It's all really important things to know. Which, you know, is is why we do the syndication route. And that's the investors don't need to know every Mm -hmm. last thing because they're not, they shouldn't be expected to sit and do real estate 24 seven. If they, if they were, they'd they would be doing this indication. We're, you know, we're providing that expertise and we do the best we can with the knowledge that we have before we go into an asset. And Atlanta, even though it still has an eviction issues, has a lot of positive things going for it with the population growth and the, the jobs are pouring in and the businesses are moving there. It just has one of these really kind of 
sticky points right now, which would make us hesitant on adding additional assets. But working through it, you just have to do the best you can. And that's, again, why we do syndications so that we can diversify between multiple different assets. That way, if one is sucking wind, the other one's carrying us and we're, we're able to kind of push through. And it, it just gives us that diversification and uh, kind of making sure that regardless of what's happening, we do with everything within our control to the best of our abilities, uh, drive the value up with the uh, the kind of the forced appreciation through renovation uh, and operate them the best we can. And I've never had a property where you just stick through it, stick through the hard times. And on the other side, I've never had a property that where you do the fundamentals right, that you don't get rewarded on the other side. It just seems that if you do business the right way over a long period of time, it always has a way of working itself out, even in these more uncertain times that we're in now. Uh, and you're you know, a fundraiser and you, you definitely are out uh, talking to people about investing capital. These times are are crazy. Inflation, interest rates, and we've had COVID and all this uncertainty, and people are pulling back, unsure about what to do. Uh, what, what's your message to to the folks who are unsure about where they're supposed to be investing today and, and what should they be doing? Because uh, some people are a little afraid that we might be going through 2008 all over again, and they don't want to lose it all. Um. Yeah. So in my opinion, we're, we're not going to go through 2008 again. Um, you know, I think when you, when you look at the economy as a whole, um, you know, I don't foresee that happening again, no crystal ball. Right. But there is hesitancy. And I think people are, are right to be hesitant. Um, but that hesitancy, in my opinion, should equate to making sure that the offering is conservatively underwritten. Right. So asking about underwriting, asking about those important things, you know, when you when you look at debt service, that can that can make or break you, right? Is there is there a floating rate? Is there a debt? Is there a debt cap, right? Or a rate cap? Excuse me, a rate cap. Is that for the whole term of the loan? Can you extend it? Can you? So so knowing these questions, um, I think people are right to be conservative, but it's like anything, right? You can look at any market and say. All right, I just kind of want to sit out and wait and see how this shakes out. But then my question to investors is how long are you going to sit out of the game, right? If people, you know, been talking about maybe sitting out or maybe they're sitting out for a year or two, like at what point do you have a clearly defined metric where you say, okay, now I'm comfortable investing? And in any market, you can look, you can find opportunity in any market. So I think it's just really the way you look at things. Um, I am all for, and I tell the investors that I work with, you know, I think that now like I, I'm still investing. Personally, I had a call with someone earlier um, and I'm investing in a portfolio um, that is affordable housing, multifamily in Texas. And so it's right for me, right? So I'm personally still investing in this market. I'm talking to investors and they're investing in this market. Um, I think a little more conservative at this point, you know, making sure they're covered and making sure, you know, what is the exit plan? Is there a bridge loan? Is there a, you know, is it a, a fixed rate, right? What is the prepayment penalty? So just understanding the nuances a little bit um, can help make you feel more comfortable. You know, if you're looking at a, a value add and multifamily and you, you're going to get to pro forma if you're able to push the rents by, you know, 500 bucks or whatever it is, if when we're seeing rent increases slow down or even drop some, if that's your entire business plan, 
you have the potential to be in trouble, right? So you have to understand the whole business plan. I think you have to do a little bit more due diligence, but you know, I think there are still really good deals and offerings out there. They just be, may be a little more difficult to come by. I think you're, you're right to say that it's more difficult right now to get anything to pencil. The Federal Reserve is putting downward pressure on the economy, and in particular, commercial real estate feels it very early on because we're so interest rate sensitive uh, to purchasing and selling our assets. I think that all the points you made are like the investors, I think it's important for them to have a good understanding of what's going on, but it might not be their, I don't, or at least in our, my opinion, I don't find it to be their responsibility to be extra experts on how does uh, the debt service coverage impact the IRR and, and all of those things. That's where it comes down to making sure that you're investing with somebody who has skin in the game, who's signing their name to the loan, uh, who knows where they're investing uh, and, and, it comes back again to the basics that we were talking about before. It should not be uh, a risky investment. Multifamily should not be something that you are getting into and risking it all. At a minimum, I think you should be getting your capital back at a minimum. I mean, and that should be an operator who's uh, got the ability to tell you what's going on and able, you know, has the uh, the wherewithal to get through the hard times. So, you know, it it's, it's, a, it's not a time to sit, I think, on the sideline if you're trying to continue to grow your money. I think it's time to find the people that you want to work with uh, and the markets that you want to invest in. Uh, and then over, uh, you know, I guess over this year or next year, make those make those bets, because on the other side, remember, the economy will be better and you don't want to miss that that upswing. You can never really time the market, as they say. And I think just really making sure that your investment is a fundamentally sound one uh, is always a good idea for regardless, uh, you know, at what stage you're at, uh, you know, in, in your yeah. investing and you, you don't have to know everything, right? So as Nick said, you don't have to understand how DSCR is impacting IRR. You don't, but you, you probably want to have a, a basic understanding of debt service and, and why, you know, why you may want to understand if there's, if it's a bridge loan or fixed or variable and what that may mean to the asset. But that can be a, something as simple as saying, Hey Nick, can you explain explain the debt service to me? What are the pros and cons of the way this is structured on this deal? Right? So it's just knowing to ask that question and understanding and as Nick mentioned, trusting the people you work with. Um, and that is that is so important. I've been in sales for over 20 years, right? So work with people you know, like and trust. And at the end of the day, I always tell people I'm like you have to feel comfortable with the investment you're making. It has to meet your investment criteria. And if you haven't taken the time to pencil out and know exactly what your investment criteria is, then frankly, you're doing yourself a disservice because you want to know what that is. So when, if Nick or I roll out an offering, you're like, oh yes, this meets my criteria. I'm ready to go. I just need to do a little due diligence, ask some questions. Um, you know, but it's got to feel right for you. It has to be the right investment for you. And there's no, there's no right across the board or wrong. Um, but knowing what your criteria is and pulling the trigger when you have something that meets that criteria is really important too. So you don't want to get stuck in analysis paralysis. Um, you know, I talked to an investor the other day. She's like, I just need to understand all the ins and outs. I'm like, okay, okay, I get that. And I respect that. You're not going to understand all the ins and outs unless you become an operator. So if that's something that you want to do, that's great. 
then you should do that. But there's other things that you should focus on to get to that point. If you're looking at coming in as a limited partner or an LP, there are things that you need to understand, but you don't have to understand all the nitty gritty and be neck deep. Because in essence, that's that's the benefit of investing in a syndication as an LP. You're not neck deep. You're sitting there with a cocktail or mocktail in your hands and your feet up on the beach or doing whatever it is you'd like to do. Um, that's the benefit. The same thing, you know, with all of your other investments, I know people invest their IRAs and 401ks in the stock market or mutual funds. Um, that when they're going through that, I find a lot of people still don't know a lot of the details about where they're investing that money. And I think in real estate, we provide a whole lot more transparency uh, and we give a lot more benefit because you get the depreciation benefits uh, from the properties as well. Uh, and I think that, you know, you're not supposed to be the, the operator, just like you said. And that's where it comes down to making sure you trust them. They're, they're putting their own skin in the game. We always invest our money alongside our investors. We're feeling the pain if it comes along. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. It, anybody who says they've never made a bad investment has not been in it long enough or is not telling you the truth. There's just no way to know everything. But as long as we go back to the fundamentals, it's so boring. But as long as we do a good job making sure that we underwrite properties, we're going to win more than we lose. And we'll get through, you know, kind of um, any type of downturns that come our way. Be just because we're, you know, going to continue to do the honest and right thing over and over and over again. And that way we can get through those, uh, you know, kind of hurdles that we're we're all facing today. Yeah. And that's a really great point. If you're investing in the stock market and you're investing in Nike, I'm not picking on Nike. Nike's great, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, but if you're investing in Nike or a large company, you don't know. You're not looking at the PL statement. You're not, you're actually not, you don't even have access to their C-suite. In a syndication, in essence, the GPs or the general partners are the C-suite. They're the CEOs, in essence. They're the CFOs. They're the COOs. So if you think of it like that, you do have a lot more, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one connection. You have a better understanding of what's going on than if you are investing in the stock market, because at that point, you're you don't know the ins and outs. You don't know what the business plan is. I mean, if you're in, in the market, do you really know the company's business plan? I mean, some, maybe some people do, most don't. And that's why recently um, I did an article and had a, uh, did an interview too with a self-directed uh, retirement account, sorry, a self-directed retirement account or IRA company. Because if you don't have a self-directed retirement account, I highly recommend you look into it. Because I know for me, I have some money in the stock market. I'm not a stock market lover. I love real estate. So I want to self-direct my retirement funds, which means I'm able to invest, you know, the, the syndication I just mentioned in Texas for affordable housing, that will come out of my self-directed 401k. So I know where that money is going. I know the business plan and I feel really comfortable with that. That's, that's the benefit of self-directed retirement accounts. Yeah, there's no doubt that there's a benefit to knowing who you're working with and making sure that, you know, like they're doing things that are, they're aligning with your, you know, I guess their incentives are aligned with your better interest. I mean, we don't make a ton of money until we actually perform and do the asset uh, justice and get through it on the other side. Uh, and we can make good money for doing that. And that's why we're incentivized to, to work year over year while we're holding them to make sure that we're kind of protecting all the money that's been invested. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, with, with all of the, um, you know, the noise out there and sometimes it's, it's, uh, you know, difficult to decide whether 
you should invest in this market or that. Uh, sometimes, you know, it, it just comes back to, uh, you know, finding the right people to work with and then and just pulling the, you know, pulling the trigger. And you're in the marketing space or you were in the marketing space for a long time. Uh, and, you know, you have a, a really unique name to your company. Could you maybe give us an idea? Why did you pick, uh, you know, your positioning in the market and and yeah. and the background behind your name? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so Ohana Investment Partners uh, came out of kind of two thoughts. So um, my husband's side of the family, his dad is um, half Hawaiian, half Chinese. So he is of Hawaiian um, descendant. So that just kind of that stuck with me. And Ohana means family. I am a big community person, and it may sound hokey if you are listening to this or watching this, but I am a firm believer that we can do so much more in the world if we do it together as a community and we can lift each other up. We can. So, through passive investing, my goal is to positively impact families, which should positively impact communities, right? Which can positively impact the world. I believe in the ripple effect. I love community and family, and we can do so much more together. And when you look at syndications, we are investing as a community, we are investing as a family, and we really are making a difference in the communities that we are serving. Um, and yeah, we should all function as a family. And then if you think too of Ohana, and the beach and Hawaii. So everything that is everything about passive investing to me, if I mentally picture it, it is vacationing or relaxing or retiring and letting someone else do all the work and getting the benefits of it. It just really boils it down to me. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. yeah thanks for sharing. Of course. Uh, you know, if people are interested in learning more about your company and, uh, you know, kind of the, the direction you guys are investing in, where could they find you and, and reach out? So the easiest way is to, and if you're listening to this, hopefully you will just remember this, ohanainvestmentpartners.com. My website is the best way, or you can email me at Angie at ohanainvestmentpartners.com. Uh, if you go to the website, you can sign up to become an interested investor. Um, I also host investor and women um, networking events as well, both virtually and in person. So no matter where you are, I have that as well. But yeah, please, please connect. And um, the more people you connect with, right, the more opportunity you're going to have to invest, which is amazing. Yeah, the collaboration in the real estate space is I, I think it's I think it's more than most industries, honestly. I think uh yeah, I have not found you know, we all compete, I guess, with each other, but most of our competitors uh, you know, are more than willing to like help. And I think it's kind of a, a rising tide lifts all ships type of thing. So certainly feel free to reach out to Angie. Uh, and, and any other operator out there that's in the syndication space, uh, most people will probably be very helpful with their, uh, you know, or, you know, I guess they'll be generous with their time in most cases. So absolutely. It's the law of abundance, right? So, and we all do help each other out. We partner on deals. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, Nick and I may work together on an offering and we may not work together on some. So the more people you have in your network, my network is probably one of my greatest assets. Um, so the more people you have in your network, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to benefit, and hopefully the more you can give to others as well. Well, I appreciate you coming on and we'll stay in touch. Best of luck with 2023 and, uh, you know, kind of getting through all of these 
these obstacles that we're going through. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks so much, Nick. Thank you.